0: Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Rick Kiley. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. First Peter chapter 2, two verses this morning, verses 17 and 18. I know that we have a lot of young people in here, and uh, I think the nursery will probably be open if we need it. And I'll try not to preach too long because I know the attention span of children is not very long. First Peter chapter two, verse 17. Honor all men, love the brotherhood, fear God, and honor the king. Two honors, one love and one fear. Most of us would think that we should love God, but he said, No, you need to fear God. And then in verse 18, it said, Servants, be subject to your masters with all fear. We need to fear our boss, not only the good and the Gentile, but also the forward. And today I want to preach to you for a few minutes on this subject a fear that can save you, a fear that can save you. God bless you, you may be seated. Now, I know that fear can can be referred to in several instances. It can be referred to as intimidating, but it can also be referred to as honor and respect. Honor and respect. And I really want to come at it today from the honor and respect approach. The honor and respect. I think too many people have taken God for granted. He's the big guy in the sky. He's the man upstairs. Paul even said some people call him to the unknown God. He's the higher power. I want you to know he's a whole lot more than any of that. And actually, even in that terminology, you may not mean it that way, but you can be disrespectful when you should be fearful. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. We are fearfully and we are wonderfully made. God is due all respect and all honor and all glory for who he is. So even if you feel that you can't praise him based upon his performance, you should always be able to worship him because of who he is. He's worthy. He's worthy. Now, I wanna talk to you about a few things that we should fear today, fear. And I wanna start with the parents fear your parents. Take a look at Ephesians chapter 6 verses 1 through 3. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. Why? Cuz it's right. You no, know, there's a really good answer. For all those questions you get all the time sometimes from your kids, why do I have to do this and why do I have to do that? Because it's right. It's the right thing. To do so i just gave you an answer parents because it's right honor your father and your mother which is the first commandment with promise that it may be well with thee and that thou mightest have long life on the earth now children that are disobedient can cause a lot of chaos in the home and parents let me say this to you you need to remember your role well, how could I forget that? Well, I've seen a lot of parents that think that they need to be their, their child's friend. That would be a big mistake. Later on in life, you can be friends. My son and I have a good relationship. We're, we're very good friends. But while I was raising him, I was his dad, and that was his mother. I can't ever remember my son calling me Rick. I can't remember his children ever calling me Rick. He had a respect, I think he still does, but he's had a respect for his parents. That's a healthy thing. Don't let your kids call you by your first name. Don't, don't be their buddy, be their parent. They can have lots of buddies, but they only got two parents. So you need to be the parent. You need to be the father and mother. You need to instill in them a respect for their elders. We've got a huge advantage in the church. We call each other brother and sister in the Lord, right? We can replace Mr. or Mrs. or Miss with brother. But that's that's brother Frazier there, okay? That's Brother Frazier, and and, you know, this is Sister Cassens, and that's the way we talk to one another. We talk to one another with respect. We got a huge advantage too. If you forget their name, you can just call them brother. Hey, brother. Hey, sister. Okay, but there needs to be that respect. Are you understanding what I'm saying? And that needs to be instilled from the parents and even from the pastor. That's why I'm doing it today. There needs to be respect. Now, I remember a time, lots of times, where my parents, before we would go to somebody's house, they'd line us all up, boom, boom, boom. And they'd give us this lecture. Maybe you've heard this lecture before. Now, these people have a nice home. Do not touch anything. How many of have heard that speech? Do not touch anything. Do not ask for anything. Children are to be seen and not heard. And if you, do you remember this part? And if you don't, when we leave, I think you got the rest of that speech. Don't touch anything. But I want to pastor a little bit today, okay? Not just preach. I want to pastor a little bit. What your parents were saying when they gave you that instruction is those things that you are around are not yours. And I don't want you knocking them off the shelf and breaking them because I'm going to have to replace them if you do. And we probably will not be invited back if you tear up their house. So that's why they gave us the instruction. Now, take a look here at 1 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 1. Paul writing to the church at Corinth, 7 and 1. Now concerning the things whereof you wrote to me, there were some questions that they had. Here's his response. It is good for a man not to touch a woman. Nevertheless, to avoid fornication, let every man have his own wife and let every woman have her own husband. Now, if you smiled and if you were with me when I talked about going into somebody's house and worrying about touching things you shouldn't touch and falling off the shelf, then also let me give you this instruction. It is not good to touch a woman that is not yours. Where's Brother Losansky? Brother Lozanski, please stand up with your beautiful daughter. Thank you. I can say this because they're mine. <laughs> Thank you. I just wanted to see who I'm talking about. Brother Lozanski has a beautiful daughter. That daughter belongs to him and to his wife, Cheryl. You should be in the fear of God if you are a young man and think that you can walk into his life and touch what is not yours. You should not only be afraid of him, you should fear God. Because ultimately, all of us are children that belong to God. All souls are mine, is that what the scripture says? All souls are mine. We have to, at all costs, avoid fornication, and adultery never touch another man's wife why that doesn't belong to you that belongs to that man see well God made up all these rules to make things difficult for us and he included adultery and fornication there's a reason why God gave us laws and ordinances and commandments because it destroys the very fiber of the things that God considers to be precious. And we have to, at all costs, protect that which is precious. How many of you ever heard that message preached? And so if you have a fear of touching a vase in a person's house, shouldn't you have a greater fear about touching an even greater possession his family. Can I get an amen? Amen. This is not deep, but it needs to be preached. Adultery and fornication are sin. They are sin against families and they are sins against God. Do not touch what is not yours. Thank you. Thank you. Let me give you a good example of this. Now I need to lighten it up a little bit because I got you all stirred up. When my brother and I got to be old enough to go deer hunting together, we couldn't afford enough guns. So my father borrowed, I don't know why he did this, but he borrowed a man, the man's name was Troy. He borrowed Troy's shotgun. It was a brand new shotgun. I don't even know why the guy owned it. He didn't hunt but it was a beautiful shotgun. He kept it in his house and my father knew about it. And so he said, Mr. Perrin, is there any way you'd let me borrow a shotgun? I need one more gun. I wanna take my two boys deer hunting. And Mr. Perrin said, sure, no problem. You can borrow this shotgun. I've never even used it. Feel free to use it. So he takes the shotgun from Mr. Perrin. I witnessed this and heard the conversation. Now, for some reason, My father gave that shotgun to my brother, Steve. He's not here today. And we went deer hunting. Well, my brother shot a deer, but he didn't kill the deer. And in not killing the deer, he took the shotgun. I heard the shot and I I came running over to help him. My dad was on his way. And as I saw my brother, he had the shotgun by the barrel. And he started whacking the deer over the head. Why? He didn't finish the deer off. But he broke the stock of this brand new shotgun over the head of this deer. A borrowed, brand new, never shot shotgun. Now, who do you think is going to have to replace that shotgun? See? You better be careful when you touch things that are not yours. Let me throw this in. If you ever borrow a lawnmower or anything from somebody else, understand this. If you break it, you fix it. Or you replace it. And anything you borrow, now this is, this is pastoring again. Anything you borrow from somebody, bring it back in equal or better condition, full of gas, full of oil, show respect, but never wreck something and give it back in that kind of a condition. Can I get an amen to that? Amen. If, you buy- if somebody says, oh, you can borrow my car, Don't run the gas out of it and not put gas in it to make sure that the needle is higher than it was before you left or even fill it up. Can I get an amen? Be honorable. Be thankful. And be fearful. Okay, be fearful. We need to fear authority. We need to fear our parents, but we need to fear authority. Um, Let me share this with you. If I had my way which I don't, I would require every young man and every young woman to go into the military for a minimum of 18 weeks. The military will help you understand the importance of authority. I I was privileged to go to nine weeks of basic training followed by nine weeks of uh, military occupational training. They call that MOS. So I spent 18 weeks in Fort Polk, Louisiana. It was very, very good for me to learn responsibility, to learn teamwork, and to learn respect for authority. One of the first things they'll tell you is, if you don't follow orders, people die. You don't question authority. You do what you're told, and you do what you're told the first time because the people that are giving you instruction have been there before, they have the information, they're making the best decision possible. They're not always right, but if we get to second guess any decisions, people are gonna get hurt. And it it even happened that way. It happened that way to my father. My father fought in uh, World War II And um, he was captured at the Battle of the Bulge. And he told us the story. He said, here's what happened. He said, I was next to my sergeant in a foxhole. And he said, and everybody calls each other by their last name. And he said, Kylie, take that next foxhole. And he said, well, sergeant, are you sure that the foxhole is cleared? Meaning there's nobody in the foxhole. And he said, yeah. The foxhole's been cleared. Advance, take that foxhole. So he jumped up out of his foxhole, ran to that foxhole, jumped into it, and it was full of Germans. It's incredible. It's a miracle. It's sovereignty that he wasn't killed. Well, there'd be no little Ricky today. But the Germans didn't kill him. But he spent the rest of the war in a prison camp. He did not regret that decision because he had seen other men that did not obey orders and what it cost other men and in their lives. We need to respect authority. Whether it's your boss at work, your parents at home, you need to trust them and submit to them. They are there for your protection. That's the way you need to look at it. They're not there to make your life miserable. And one day, you may be a person in authority. We need to fear authority. We need to fear God. Take a look with me at Philippians chapter 2 and verse 12. Excuse me. Wherefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. It does not say, work out other people's salvation, it says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. You always need to be concerned about your soul. The decisions that you make are going to affect your soul. And you need to be fearful in the way that you make decisions. Fearful and trembling. That doesn't sound like respect and honor there. That sounds like the real, real thing. The real fear. Paul said, I fear, lest while preaching to others, I myself should become a castaway. Oh, not you, Paul. No, you, you wrote 14 of the 27 books of the New Testament. Not you. There's no way you could ever fail or, or you could ever fall. Not according to Paul. He was concerned about his own soul. And I don't mean to be disrespectful, but Paul didn't always do things right. He made some mistakes, David made some mistakes. We all seem to make some mistakes, but we need to be fearful enough to that when we realize we've made a mistake, we make it right. Because I don't wanna lose my soul. I don't wanna be outside of the church when the Lord comes for the church. I wanna be ready and I need to fear God. And I need to work out my own salvation. Sometimes we get so busy working out other people's salvation that we don't even work on our own. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do his good pleasure. Do all things, listen to this, do all things without murmurings and disputings. Don't get into that. Grumble, 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 grumble. Whine, complain, gossip. Don't go there. He just warned you about working out your own salvation with fear and trembling. And he says, don't get involved in that junk. Stay away from it. That you may be blameless and harmless sons of God without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and a perverse generation among you, whom you shine as lights in the world. We're not supposed to be like the world. We're supposed to be lights. They murmur and complain and talk bad about people and authority and things like Don't get into that. Walk away from that conversation. Excuse yourself. Do not be involved in that. Can I get an amen? Amen. I'm pulling today. I'm trying to pull. Don't get involved in that. Watch this. Hebrews chapter 11 and 7. By faith, we're talking about the fear of God now. By faith, Noah, being warned of God, of things not seen as yet, moved with fear and prepared an ark to the saving of his house by the which he condemned the world and became the heir of righteousness, which is by faith. What motivated Noah to do what he did? Fear. Fear motivated him. God pulled him off and said, you know what, Noah? And he did not even, listen to this, he did not even include his family in the conversation. The Bible says Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. It did not say Noah and his family found grace in the eyes of the Lord. God had one problem when he was about to destroy the earth, and that one problem was one man named Noah who was trying to do the right thing who was righteous in his generation in spite of the fact that everybody else wasn't. There may have been millions of people on the earth at that time, and only one guy is doing the right thing. They're all murmuring and complaining and sinning and doing all these other things, but not Noah, no. He won't be involved in that. He removes himself from those kinds of situations. He's not a participant. He's not trying to convert the world. He's just not participating. And God says, I cannot destroy the righteous with the ungodly. So I am going to go to the man that I have found grace with and I'm going to reveal my plan and tell him what's about to happen. So he goes to Noah and he says, Noah, it's going to rain. 40 days and 40 nights, I'm going to flood the earth. Everything that that can't live in the water is going to die. I'm going to kill them all. I'm going to, genocide the whole earth. But, because you have found grace in my eyes, I'm gonna give you a plan to save you and to save your family and to those that will hear you. So here's what I want you to do. Here's my blueprint. Here's my manual on the kind of ship that I want you to build. Here's the dimensions, the kind of material, and I want you to build it exactly as I tell you. And then I want you, while you're building this ship, to preach repentance and tell them that I'm about to destroy the earth, but that if they will repent and they will obey me and help build this ship, they can get into it and be saved. So this guy, Believes God in spite of what he sees. Because he's in the middle of a desert. Why would you build a ship in a desert? And why would you believe that it's going to rain when you've never seen one drop fall from the sky? How can a desert be drowned? But Noah believed God. And said, God, if you say it, it's true. I'm going to do exactly, precisely, without question, everything you've told me to do. He has absolutely no converts in 120 years zero. But he keeps on working and he keeps on preaching and his family supports him, they help him because he moved with fear. He didn't just sit and fear, he did something He did what he was asked to do. I want you to know God doesn't want a church that's just saved, he wants an evangelistic church that is moving with fear, that is caring about other people that are not in the ark, that have not repented, that have not heard this message. We need to be moving, not just hearing. We need to be moving with fear. We need to be pulling people out of the fire, hating even the garments that they wear and the smoke that's on them. Fear will do that for you. We need to respect spiritual authority, fear of spiritual authority that God puts in our lives. Hebrews 13 and 17, obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves. They watch for your souls. They must give an account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief. That would be unprofitable for you. Are you hearing this? Are you hearing what was just read to you? I'm not talking about a person. I'm talking about a position. I, I, Again, this is not, I'm not being theological when I say this, but I want you to at least consider this. Consider this thought. In Revelations, it talks about 24 elders sitting on thrones. And when the Lord makes his appearance, now elders represent experience. Right. They represent wisdom. These are people that have been through the fire. That's why they're called your elders. They are the most respected of our peers. And so when the Lord appears and these 24 elders are there, you know the first thing they do? They cast their crowns at his feet. You think that you're working for a crown so that you've got some glory on your head, some stars in your crown, so to speak? Let me tell you what you're going to do when you see Jesus you're going to take your crown and you're going to place it right at his feet. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not worthy of this, but you are. You take the crown. Right. Amen. That's what you're going to do. But listen to this. The number 24, I was praying about this. What's the significance of 24 when it comes to elders? Well, you're going to say the 12 tribes of Israel and you're going to say the 12 apostles. Maybe. Maybe you're right. Maybe there's another significance. There are nine gifts of the Spirit. When you read about the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians, there are nine characteristics. That's 18. When it talks about the five-fold ministry, it talks about apostles and prophets and evangelists, pastors and teachers, right? So if you add that fivefold ministry to the 18, you're now at 23. And then the Bible talks about a ministry, and it calls the ministry of helps. So if you're not one of the, if you're not, you don't feel you're being used in the gifts of the Spirit, if you don't even feel that you have all the fruit of the Spirit, or you're not part of the five-fold ministry, you can at least, at a minimum, help. What's your ministry? Whatever they need. I can take the trash to the dumpster. I can can put tables and chairs away. I can pick up trash, I can mow the lawn. You don't have to be educated to be involved. You just have to be willing And the warning here was to obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves. Let me tell you about submission. Submission is compliance without agreement. That's submission. Compliance without agreement. So you'll never know if you're submissive till you disagree with authority. Otherwise, you're just in agreement. You just do it because you agree with your authority. But what happens when you disagree, when you doubt, when you could second guess what's happened? That's when you're going to find out, and that's when your authority is going to find out whether or not you are submissive. And why would I submit to that? Because they watch for your souls. You better have a pastoral team that looks out for your soul. You need that protection. You better have somebody that'll pray for you, somebody that'll prepare messages, try and hear from God and minister to you. You know why? Because they're trying to protect you. They're trying to protect you. And they, unlike you, remember where before it said work out your own salvation with fear and trembling? The good news is about that, you don't have to give an account for anybody else in this congregation. Isn't that great news? Isn't that great news? If Brother Kylie messes up, guess what? You're not held responsible. God will take care of Brother Kylie but the one you are responsible for is you. It's you, because the pastor is gonna have to fill out your report card. That's what it says, they must give an account and that it may be done with joy. I'm looking forward to talking to God about some people. And I'm gonna tell you, this guy, that person, don't let it be unprofitable for you. Let me share this with you, I'm way off my notes, but remember that fivefold ministry I talked to you about? G's are involved in this. Apostles govern. Prophets guide. Evangelists gather. Pastors guide, or or excuse me, guard. They guard. And teachers. You remember, Sister Kylie? Okay. I'm sorry. Slipped my mind about teachers, but they're all G's, okay? Anyway, so this fivefold ministry is for your benefit. And for your protection, pastors guard, feed, and serve. Almost, in some ways, like policemen. Policemen like to say they protect and serve. Well, pastors need to go further than that. They also need to feed. So you need to pray for the ministry. Can I get an amen to that? I don't know, I'm trying to feel my way through this as to whether or not you're really getting this. We need to fear God's word. This is not just another opinion. There is no multiple choice with God. Did you know that? It's A, B, C, or D. No, it's either true or false. life or death, light or darkness. Luke 6, 46. Why do you call me? Listen to what Jesus said. Listen listen to a frustrated Lord. A frustrated Lord. Why do you call me Lord, Lord? And you do not do the things which I say. Whosoever cometh to me and heareth my sayings and doeth them, I'll show you to whom he's like. He's like a man which built a house and he digged deep and laid the foundation on a rock. When the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently upon that house, could not shake it, for it was founded upon a rock. But he that heareth and doeth not is like a man that, hath, that has no foundation, but he built his house upon the earth, against which the stream did beat vehemently, the wind, and immediately it fell, and the ruin of the house was great. Notice this. The storms come to both houses. You know, I don't know about you, but for me, sometimes I've had this thought, and I I pray I'm not doing anything wrong when I say this to you, but it seems to me that the Christians suffer more than the sinners. The sinners are not persecuted. You'll never see on the media sin that's being committed being persecuted. They won't. But the Christians will be persecuted. Even in your own life, whenever you do wrong, doesn't God come after you? Do you feel like God comes after you and says, You did the wrong thing? You need to go and apologize, you need to make it right. Doesn't happen with the sinner. They don't seem to have any ill feeling about anything that they do. Doesn't bother them. They swear, they cuss, they take the name of the Lord in vain, they speak against the heavens. You can read about it in, uh, in Psalm 73. I'm not going to take the time to read it today. But David was so frustrated. Just said, man, every day you come against me and you tell me I got to fix this and I got to work on that. And and these sinners, they are prospering and they're blaspheming and they're they're sinning and nothing ever happens to them. But then David says, oh, let me read this. You got to see this. Just this last part, Psalm 73. Can you jump ahead, honey? Uh, Sister honey, apologize for not being this want to be respectful even to my wife. <laughs> 16, Psalm 73, 16. When I thought to know this, what I've just described to you, it was too painful for me until I went into the sanctuary of God and I understood their end. Surely you have set them in slippery places. You cast them down into destruction. How are they brought into desolation? As in a moment. And they are utterly consumed with terrors. As in a dream when one waketh, O Lord, when thou wakest, you will despise their image. So you're only seeing the present. You're not seeing the future. So the things that we have to go through, that's all part of it. The rains came, the floods came, the winds blew, but the house didn't go down because we did what God told us to do. Can I get an amen? amen? We did what God told us to do. And when the storm comes and the judgment comes, you will be glad that you stayed on a rock. Let me tell you just one more thing that you need to fear. You need to fear offending others. You know, sometimes with a prideful spirit, you can say, you hurt me and I'm gonna hurt you. That's a big mistake big mistake if we are all the children of God in light of that I want you to hear this verse Matthew chapter 18 and verse 6 if you offend one of these little ones which believe in me it would be better for you that a millstone were hanged about your neck and that you were drowned in the sea man I wouldn't want that Be careful. Be extremely careful. Always make your words sweet because you're probably gonna have to eat them. Can I get an amen? A man who cannot control his spirit is like a city without walls. Things that shouldn't come in, come in. And things that shouldn't go out, go out. Control your spirit. Sometimes the wisest thing you can say is nothing. Hold your peace. Let the Lord fight your battles. Can I get an amen? And continue in the doctrine, for in so doing you will save yourself and them that hear you. Let's stand together. I'm talking to you about a fear that can save you. Aren't you glad for the times you did listen to your parents? Don't stick that fork in the light socket. You saw what it did to your sister, her hair's on end. Say, well, my father was an alcoholic. Your father, as an alcoholic, may have saved you from alcoholism. My father died of lung cancer. He was a smoker. I've never smoked. He saved me from it. Are you hearing what I'm saying? The wisest people in the world are not people that learn from their mistakes. They're people that learn from other people's mistakes. Those are wise people. Jesus, thank you today. Thank you today for a for a good kind of a fear to respect and to honor you. Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at two six two nine six five five one seven seven, or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.